is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part two with Michael Mott, we continue the conversation on getting unstuck, course correction, self-talk when self-doubt creeps in, and his second annual Michael Mott and Friends, December 3rd at the Green Room 42. So I hope you enjoy this part two with Michael Mott. I'm curious, too, with the work ethic and discipline to push through. You know, if you're getting stuck, is what do you do to get unstuck when writing? I go to the gym. I go outside. Yeah. I ride a bike. I actually... It's so funny. My process of writing, I'm like, I write right here in this space where you're seeing me right now. Yeah. My, my desk is here. My piano's here. Um, and whatever is, whenever I'm stuck, I immediately go outside, take a bike ride, and listen to what I just did. Go to the gym and do something else and listen. Or I take a shower. Hmm. And the shower is probably the last thing I do because when I'm when I'm writing or creating, I'm, I, I'm wet and I can't grab my phone and do what I have to do. <laughs> But I always find at the gym, my subconscious is doing the work. I'm like, oh, that's what this is. When I'm really sitting here thinking and I'm stuck, mm-hmm. I have to stop thinking. Yeah. You have to get up, get away, take a walk, take mm-hmm. a walk, change the movement. Yeah. And I write the best things, I, I think. The, the most, um, what's the word? I guess organic or the most authentic or the most um, natural stuff comes when I'm actually away from the piano. Because my hands want to go to the same places hmm. and so i'll write something far away or i wrote this song called gold on my second album abandoned heart and i wrote it in the park and when i wrote it i was going to places in my head that i wouldn't go my hands wouldn't go naturally so when i had to figure it out on the piano it was really interesting and i also wrote it in my head for an acoustic guitar so i don't play guitar but i i know what the sound i want and so then i i wrote it in my head wrote down all the lyrics came back here figured out what the chords were, sent it to my guitarist, Andy, worked through it with him. I was like, I hear this. I want it to go like this. And here are the chords. And so we kind of came up with the guitar pattern together. Mm. And it's just it's just interesting. I mean, I don't write everything like that, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's collaboration. It's keeping it fresh. Yeah, it is. It is. I wonder how your, how has your taste in music evolved within writing? Oh, that's a great question. Um, like I said before, I grew up, Billy Joel is like my king. Mm. As I've evolved and really studied, um, I don't want to say studied composition, but as I'm getting into, as I'm working with, with higher caliber people, my, I, I, I raise the bar for myself. And I'm like, well, if Jeremy Jordan is going to sing this, it's got to be really freaking good. And so I'll push myself. And I, I study who I call the greats, you know, Billy Joel. I, I'm obsessed with John Mayer. I think John Mayer is so smart. Mm. And I listen to jazz. I listen to Leonard Bernstein. I mm. listen to Sondheim. I mean, you, we, the thing about that is that it's so good that sometimes I get so discouraged. I'm like, well, I'll never be Sondheim. So what, <laughs> so what am I doing? I found this great interview with Billy Joel. And he said, I've never forgiven myself for not being Mozart. And I thought, yeah, I've never forgiven myself for not being Billy Joel. And so I'm always trying to get higher and higher and higher and better and better and better, you know? And it's sad because, like, I don't think I'll ever reach that. And so that kind of keeps me trying harder, I guess. So, 
Yeah, I hope that answers your question. It does. Kind of it does. Did you grow? Did you grow up on Long Island? Is no connection. I didn't. Okay. I didn't. No, but everyone when they meet me, my last name is actually M O T T A Motta. Okay. And my friends call me Mata, and uh, <laughs> everyone thinks, "Oh, you're from Jersey." I'm like, "No." They're like, "Oh, Long Island." I'm like, "No," <laughs> yeah. but everyone thinks that. Okay, I just yeah, I, I make the assumption due to Billy Joel and you know the, he's fantastic, but he also has a very interesting view on. Um, I get the impression, you know, through the interviews I've seen of him, is very outsider. You know, it's very much I don't belong. What am I doing here? How did I get this kind of? That's exactly right. Humility. That's exactly right. And I think Howard Stern actually brought up to him. Um, I think you've stopped writing because now you can't be the outsider because now you're you're Billy Joel. And what's your point of view now? Right. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's really astute. Yeah. yeah. Howard Stern's a great interviewer. It's like one of the best. Yeah. yeah, he's got a whole he's got a whole thing attached to what he's done, but it's he's really good at pulling out those nuggets. Um, really, mentors. Are there any mentors that come to mind and standout lessons? Yes. Um, so I have a I have a famous mentor, and then a and then a one who's not quite so famous, but has done so much in his own right. Mm. Um, uh, Kim Scharnberg, who orchestrates a lot of my theatrical material. Um, genius, genius orchestrator. I will write, you know, the piano vocal of a song and hand it to him, and he will flesh it out for a 100-piece orchestra. I, I wrote a song called Christmas Will You Stay for Laura Osnes a few years ago, and it was premiered at, um, the Boston Pops premiered it at mm -hmm. a holiday show. And he took that orchestration, he took that piano arrangement and fleshed it out for a 100 instruments and sent it back to me, and I'm like, you make me look so much smarter than I am, you know? <laughs> he is someone who has mentored me since my first album. He orchestrated my first album. He orchestrated my musical In the Light. He has been such an example of, here's how you produce an album. Here's how you make an album. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of followed his lead since the first recording of of from uh, where the sky ends my first session i remember zachary levi came in the room to sing a song i had written called the left side of the moon and he was in the booth and it was myself and kim and the engineer jeremy roberts and kim was giving some notes about like oh you know that b flat sus should be you know whatever he's saying and zach singing and i'm like that's not the right that's not what i want and i just started giving him notes i didn't know and i was like no i actually think it's more like I think you should be thinking about this. I think, you know, have more fun with this. The lyric is about this. And then, you know, you're actually not playing into that. And Kim looked at me and he's like, you know, you're, you're producing right now. I said, what? And he's like, you're producing. And so you're going to be a co-producer on this album. And then I remember every session, whatever the vocalist was doing, I just gave them direction. Mm -hmm. And Kim kind of handled the orchestra sessions. He would give the musicians direction. Then I would give the vocalist direction. And that's kind of how our relationship started and now since then that was back in 2014 since then you know now of course i think i know everything and you know i'm like no the second violin needs to do this and and of course like i do know what i'm talking about but mm. but our relationship has really merged and and blossomed so beautifully and he is someone who paved the way to teach me how to make great recordings what to listen for, how to listen, how to listen on headphones. I remember when we first mastered Where the Sky Ends, I had to take a train to Saratoga, New York, and he was picking me up, and he said, don't listen to anything. 
on your way. Rest your ears because we're going to be listening to this nonstop all day. Hmm. I was like, okay. And so I was riding a train. And I was like, I just want to listen to my headphones. He's like, don't listen to anything. Rest your ears all day. Make this the first thing so you're fully fresh when you come in. And, you know, you're listening. Oh, the, the bass needs to be half a dB higher in the left ear. You know, you're doing that. And he, he really taught me that. So hmm. Kim Scharnberg couldn't sing his praises more. Is there a particular project that has taught you the most about yourself or a significant amount? Yes, my musical In the Light. I've I started working on that with a, a friend from high school back in the day um, when it was called Faust. And that show has taken, let me just say this, we put out the cast recording in 2021. So years and years and years. It's taught me about collaboration because we've gone through several book writers. It's taught me about, Jeff Whiting directed that show. And he was a part of that process. Every, you know, we'd, we'd gather and we'd read, have a table read with Jeremy Jordan and Teal Wicks and we'd go through the show nonstop and this doesn't work. Let's rewrite this. It taught me about narrowing in on how to write and how to create a musical and how to tailor it to specific people, mm. but also how much am I willing to endure something? How much am I willing to come back to something and keep working on it and keep making it better and keep making it stronger? And and what am I trying to say as a writer? And what's differentiating me to any of my contemporaries or any of my the legends I grew up listening to that I suddenly find myself like in the same space with? Mm. And I'm like, oh, I, I don't deserve to be here. You know, it, it teaches me so much about myself in that aspect and kind of knowing that I do deserve to be there mm -hmm. and knowing that I do have something to say mm. and yeah th that that show in the light has taught me a lot I wonder if it's through this show or 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 a different project how have you gotten better at listening I actually think I've gotten I actually think it's from my relationship. Hmm. I definitely think that, I mean, you look at it this way. I work for myself. I employ people through my production company. I hire people. I raise money. I do all of that. I kind of have, I come from a, a mother and father who own their own businesses. My grandfather on both sides, both grandfathers actually own their own business. One was a, 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 was it he like made curtains my father's father mm. in drapery and my other my, my mother my mother's father um owned a restaurant and so now my parents own business now i own a business and i am an entrepreneur and make my own things happen mm. when you come into a relationship subconsciously that dynamic is happening and he's like i don't i don't work for you not not that i ever made him feel like he's working for me but like i would still have that kind of like I don't want to even say superiority because I'm 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 saying stuff that's actually not true. Mm -hmm. But there would be a almost like a slight hierarchy because I call the shots in everything I do. So this is what we're doing, mm -hmm. you know. And it wasn't until he was like, "Hey, we're actually equal," and I'm like, "Of course we are." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," but 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 like you're not actually hearing me. <laughs> until that really happened, I had to be like, "Oh, oh," my my relationship really grounded me, and now I'm hyper aware of that. You know, yeah, that's a great answer. Thanks for sharing that.
You're welcome. I, um, I'm slightly sweating. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's like, that's the kind of stuff that there's someone going to be listening and they're gonna be like, oh, I do that, you know? And that's, yeah, that's why it's like, it's just so nice that you open up in that. But then you add, you know, my partner is biracial. You add race into that and that becomes a whole other conversation mm. of, you know, this white man and this biracial man and subconsciously like the patterns that we have and the, 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 the people we are and the roles we play. And then suddenly I'm like, well, of course we're equal. What are you talking about? And, and not even realizing in my own bias and my own um, patterns that I'm unaware of, mm. or I was, I should say, was unaware of. Mm. Um, you know, I'm so grateful that I have this person in my life and this person who I love so deeply is patient and kind. It goes back to kindness. Mm. Um, and, you know, someone who is willing to point those things out to me and help me become the best version of myself as I do, as I hope I'm making him become the best version of himself, you know, and together we're growing. Mm. So, yeah, that's, and that's where the growth happens. Exactly. I, I'm curious if self doubt creeps in, what is your self talk to move through any sort of self-doubt, especially with the entrepreneurship <laughs> of owning your own <laughs> company and running your own thing. Does anything come to mind? My self-doubt comes in when I'm writing a new song or when I'm performing. Hmm. That I'm not good enough or it won't be good enough. Um, and I think for me, the buffer, at least in writing, is that you know I'll have either a musical director or and or arranger depending on what it is and I typically use someone named Joshua Zecharos who is like my right hand man I love him and he will kind of be like first eyes on something hmm. and he'll say mm, you know this isn't your best or oh yeah this I think this can really be something and then it'll go to the producer if it's a pop song or the orchestrator if it's a theater person theater thing like Kim and then I kind of have like two genius musical people who are not going to kiss my butt. They're going to say to me, like, this isn't good. <laughs> and I, once I pass those ears, I'm like, oh, okay, I feel good. I'm confident now, yeah. you know? Um, or my collaborator, I, Gretchen Suarez-Pena, who I'm working with right now on a new musical. And I'll write something. I wrote this song <laughs> the other day, and I sent it to her. And she was like, yeah, it's good. And I was like, okay, it's not good. Because she because she would be like, oh, my gosh, this is excellent. And she'll be like, yeah, this is good. I'm like, okay, it's trash. Cool. All right. So then I know immediately. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, but as a performer, that's much more scary because I'm just there doing it. And I'll know if it's bad when I go back. When I, Either, first of all, when I hear the lack of enthusiasm or response. But second of all, when I go back and watch the video, I'm like, I can't believe that I did that. So myself talk through that I don't know it's it's almost like there's such safety being here and not really knowing who's listening to something hmm. that the the, the self-doubt doesn't come in until I if I'm aware of who's listening or who's like I know that someone listened to one of my songs I then hear I like I immediately go back and listen to it through their ears I'm like, oh, well, they're going to be listening for this. This is terrible. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll go through that. And I kind of just have to reach a place where I'm like, well, it's out there. It's in the world and it is what it is. So yeah. keep going. Move on. I can't, I don't really hold on to things. I move on to the next thing. Yeah. Well, I hope that it's 
in 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 life, in everything that you've been writing and working on, how do you balance achievement versus fulfillment? I don't feel like I've achieved. I mean, okay, let's acknowledge. Yes, I've done things. I've achieved quote unquote things. Sure, but sure. I'm nowhere near where I want to be. I'm I'm thirty. How old am I? Thirty seven. I'm 37 years old and I don't have any shows on Broadway and I've had like what am I doing with my life I wanted to have two shows on Broadway by 30 and here I am seven years later and all I have are albums and concerts and like and I go through that so I'm constantly trying to do better and do more and raise the bar for myself and I haven't reached my goals yet Mm. so that's kind of how I feel about that. Yeah. And I'm yes, I also acknowledge, yes, I've done things. Yes, I've I'm very proud of that. Like, you know, I'm I'm hiring people, I'm making money, I'm I'm very I'm making money doing what I love. So I'm very proud of that and I'm happy. But I'm I also want more while acknowledging what I do have. Sure. And not in a greedy way, in a in a no, I I, I know I can do this. So I'm gonna keep going. Yeah. Do you ever hear any um, common pieces of incorrect advice in life or in the theater industry? Oh, common pieces of incorrect advice. Um, I, I mean, this is very specific, but I remember... A lot of I, I know a lot of times when I was an actor, people would always say, you know, such and such casting director is casting Jersey Boys. Even if you're not right for Jersey Boys, go in and sing whatever you want to sing. Let the casting director see you because she is casting five other shows. And then and, and that's very common. You'll hear like, just let them see you and show them what you do. Then you hear that casting director say, hey, don't do that. (laughs) You know, if I'm casting Jersey Boys, I don't want to see you for ragtime. Don't come in and sing something classical for me because I'm looking for 50s doo-wop today. Like, I don't. And so I'm not saying that this casting director actually said that. I'm just using that as a hypothetical. Sure, sure. Um, And and I I I, I guess that is something, the first thing that comes to mind for me, um, because you know, we only have such we only have a limited amount of time, and if you're going to come in and I don't know, I, I I can see arguments for both sides, so that's that's where I am today. Hmm. But ask me tomorrow, and I might say something else. <laughs> right, right, right. Metaphorically speaking, if you could put a word or a phrase on a billboard for millions of people to see, does anything come to mind? Keep going. Hmm. You've got this. It's yeah. Yeah. Tomorrow begins today. Yes, it does. <laughs> that's that's a song I wrote. But it's true. It's true because like the past is in the past and yes it's going to form us and and play into who we are and, and and why we're doing what we're doing, but as long as you have self-awareness and the ability to keep moving forward and to maybe look at yourself, correct your mistakes, quote unquote, or correct your course correct, I'll, I'll say, mm-hmm. then the the world is full of possibilities. 
Be grateful for your health, your ability to do what you have. And now I'm talking for myself. I'm mm. grateful every day for my health yeah. and my ability to do what I can do. And so, you know, sitting on the couch at 10 a.m. watching something gives me anxiety because I know I can be creating or I can be. I'm a one man show. I have so much to be doing at all times. My yeah. website needs to be updated. The press mm. needs to go out. The, you know, the ISRC codes need to be put together for ASCAP and sent, like there's just so many business things. Oh, you know, Jessica Voss didn't cash her check yet. Like, okay, let me call the bank. Like, let me, you know, there's all so many things. Yeah. So, you know. I love that. I love it. You're so, it's so true. Yes. Just keep going. This conversation has been so special. Michael, thank this you. conversation keeps going <laughs> in a great way. I love it. I am yes, curious before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to add here today? Um, no, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to talk to you and for the platform. So I guess, you know, I, I, I would be remiss to not plug the two things that I have coming up for your audience to check out. So December 2nd, I have a new single with Jessica Vosk, um, coming out. So everyone go check that out. It's, it comes out midnight on December 2nd, Michael Mott, Jessica Vosk. And then on December 3rd, my second annual holiday show at the Green Room 42 featuring Jeremy Jordan, Teal Wicks. Hannah Ellis and Matt Bloyd and my seven piece band. People can live stream that as well if you're not able to come in person. So michaelmott.net for all that information. I love it. Love this conversation. Can't wait to hear all of it. And thank you for taking the time. Thank you so much. People of the world, Michael Mott. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. 